This is Alex Sanchez. Thank you for listening to the Sooner Catholic Podcast, where each week with my co-host, Trevor Barreca, we review the most recent Holy Grounds talk given to our students. Thank you for listening, and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. Uh, we're excited to have you today. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, brother. It's been already a joyful morning with you, just laughing, cutting up. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this week's Holy Grounds. Yeah, me too. Um, this week, Holy Grounds, we had a guest speaker from the Thomistic Institute. His name is Father Dominic Leg, um, and he gave a talk on the sacrifice of the Mass, um, specifically talking about entering into Christ's passion, the Mass as a sacrifice. So a lot, it was a good talk. Man, I, t- I took a ton away, but first, Alex, I'd love to hear kind of what were some of your thoughts um, as he gave the talk and as he was processing through all the different, I think he had like four main points. What were, what were some of the things that were standing out to you from his talk? Mm. Uh, I think some of the things that were standing out was just like he he covered like a, a historical account um, of of like the the Passover and the significance of that in in the Mass. He covered just like a religious aspect of worship and what uh, a more thorough understanding of of worship um, entailing sacrifice what it looks like and what it means and then just a spiritual reality too as as christ as um as the lamb and what it means to be cleansed uh by the by the body and the blood of the lamb so yeah i think there's just there's a lot of really good things i think there's a lot of things that it was people's first time hearing which is really powerful so yeah that's kind of what came to mind what, what about you brother <clears throat> yeah i like you said i think a lot of the things um, we're good in terms of like feeling an apologetic and we're about to tease into this, you know, in the next few weeks about apologetics. But so I think there was a lot almost like as an entry into apologetics from that talk of like why we believe that like Christ instituted the Eucharist, why we believe that like the mass has been um, a prayer handed on to us like for, for generations. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that stood out the most to me, and I actually had a conversation with someone about this afterwards and they were blown away by the fact that, that the sacrifice that we offer at the mass is primarily or not even primarily, but solely for us and not for God, right? So he talked about like how God, right, who is perfection itself, can't be altered or somehow like um, added onto by the sacrifice. Otherwise, like he wouldn't be perfect or, or complete, right? Right? Like if, if somehow like our offering to him the mass, you know, and offering to him the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of, of his son, Jesus Christ, if somehow that added to him, then he would not already possess all that is, which would be to like say that he isn't God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then the question is like, well, then why do we offer the sacrifice? It's like actually for us because in our in our human nature, like in the nature of who we are in, in response to God, like we have to, it is a part of who we are to worship, um, to, to offer something um, in response to the recognition of the, of the, of the gratuitousness, gratuitousness, like the gift of our, of our existence. Um, and that really was striking me because, you know, I think a lot of times when people look at the mass, or they look at, um, you know, the liturgy as a whole, they, they have all these ideas of like, why, do, you know, why are we doing, are we trying to placate some angry God who's just like ready to just smite us and all this different stuff. And it's like, no, because like I do these things because I, I'm, I'm choosing to recognize with physical means, the reality that, that God is, is the giver of life, that he's given us everything. And so we give back to him to, to create an awareness of this. Um, that was really striking to me. And like one, one of the students came up to me afterwards and just was like fired up. They're like, no way. Like, this is crazy. Like, I've never thought about this as like, man, I need this. Like I need to go to mass and like, you know, make it, make an offering. Um, I guess like 
I don't know if there's anything in that that resonated to you. Um, but even like the question I would ask would be like, yeah, just where in your life have you seen this 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 reality that Father Dominic was trying to share with us that that worship or that making an offering is somehow like for our own sake rather than just like yeah making God happy. Yeah, man, I think uh, there's there's a few things that come to mind. One is just something uh, on a lesser level of, of just like relationship uh, and marriage is like that we understand that like love requires sacrifice, right? It's, it's kind of a, a basic understanding of love is it, it requires a giving of self and, and a sense of sacrifice or struggle. Um, it's not giving from the surplus, right? It's giving from the need. And so like we begin to see that in, in the passion and we begin to see Jesus doesn't withhold any anything right even down to his own mother on, on on the cross he gives us his mother says behold your mother to the disciples and to us present-day disciples in the last supper um he says this is my body this is my blood like he gives up everything and he gives up his life so i think it's like when you when you think about it it's like it's the greatest expression of love because like christ who is god who who has everything gives us everything and so in in the catholic understanding and response of like salvation and redemption we try to accept everything the Lord has given us, right? Which is including a, a devotion to marriage, is including regular reception of the sacraments. Um, and uh, yeah, we just like, we try to accept everything. Sometimes we get lost along the way, right? We forget what's most important. And, and that's kind of where Protestant brothers and sisters come in and say like, hey, it's, it's all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and in that, we want to accept everything he's, he's given us. So this, the sacrifice of the Mass and, and um, the Last Supper and the Eucharist, I think Father Dominic, just going back over kind of like this, this fourth cup study, if you've done that, something that Scott Hahn has done, and just unpacking how does Christ fulfill what, what took place in the Old Testament, right? And it's just so difficult to have a, a deep understanding and appreciation and sense of awe and wonder about what's happening now. Um, if you don't know what, what happened then. And um, it's kind of like the sense of, of like God establishing something so that we never forget who we are. We never forget who he is, right? And who we are in relationship to him. And I can see that happening in the mass as a fulfillment of the Passover. And uh, in, in a small, I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but in a small way, it kind of reminds me of like, you might see a, a picture of, of a parent or grandparent or great grandparent um, when they were young. You're like, oh my gosh, like I look just like them. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you kind of forget like, oh, like there's something here that reminds me, like I, I didn't like, like it, it puts it in the context of, um, of what's happening current day is, is like a fulfillment or continuation of something that happened yes. in the past. Yes. And it brings more meaning of like, oh, like I, I belong to this family and, and, and there's someone that came before me who like, how I come in, in their image and, and in the likeness. And I don't know, it's just really beautiful. So I want to talk a little bit about, about the Passover um, and just about uh, Jewish tradition and and uh, the ordinance of the Passover and what that means of to be celebrated as a memorial and what that means leading into the Eucharist and the Mass. It's kind of where I'm wanting to go. So, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on, on that? <clears throat> yeah, so this is obviously a, a very broad, um, like, there's just so much to be said about this. And this is the reality, right? Like, if anyone's like, oh, like the mass, you know, this seems like such a, you know, stale like thing. Like, why are we doing this? And then just kind of leaves, right, and goes somewhere else or, or, you know, decides to like abandon the Catholic faith. Like, obviously, like, 
even if you just understand the church, like, you know, that it, this is not something new, um, right? Like we have records of like Eucharistic prayers, um, not the exact same as what we have now, but pretty similar as early as like 90 AD, right? So there's like within, you know, the generation of people that knew Christ, or at least the generation of people that knew people that knew Christ, like there was already like these Eucharistic prayers that, and obviously we, we would presume that there are before, um, even the, the very first Eucharistic prayer, right? Like Jesus, you know, in the last supper, speaking to his apostles in the upper or in, in the room that they had prepared. Um, so anyway, I think that like to be steeped in this context, like you were talking about to like, look at your grandparents, and, like pictures from them when they were kids, like you recognize like who you are in relation to where, where you come from. Um, and I think the same is true. Something I've been really fired up about, like just so much lately is how important it is for us to know the stories of salvation history. Yeah, yeah. Cause like, I mean, man, like, if, if you just read the New Testament and didn't know the old, some of the stuff that happens, you'd be like, what? That's so weird, you know? But whenever you understand, like, how God has worked from the beginning of the story of humanity, like how he's worked through his people, um, how the ways, the ways, signs, and wonders that he's used to communicate his life to people, well, then the things that he chooses make sense, right? Like, so specifically getting into what you asked about, about the Passover, right? When you look at the, the Israelites in Egypt, Okay, really quick. Sorry, can I pause you right there? Because I, I know you've been studying a lot of salvation history, and so I want to, I want to invite you to start at, um, you know, Adam and Eve, and through through the, through the marriage, through the family, right? Like God's plan of, of revealing Himself, mm-hmm. and and have you start there, and then and then come into the redemption of the Israelites. So can you just give us some some of the themes, some of the ways that God has revealed Himself to His people? Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be Trevor on the spot. We'll see how well I do. But okay, so from the beginning, right? So Adam and Eve created in their original innocence, original nakedness in the garden, right? They have perfect relationship with God. They have um, all of these, um, the four harmonies. So this is a whole, there's a lot that can be going to each of this, right? But they have harmony with themselves, like interiorly. They have harmony with God. They have harmony with one another. And they have harmony with creation, right? So everything's right in the world. But, right, like God um, gives them free will. So he creates, he allows for there to be the creation of something that they, that they ought not to do, right? So that they have the capability to make a choice. Um, and so then we enter into Genesis chapter 3 where, where Satan, right, the, the accuser uh, in the form of the serpent, wanders into the garden. It says, did God say, you know, and starts to challenge who God is. So Adam, right, um, we know that Adam is present here, Um in the story because it says in, in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3 that like he was with her and then he ate whenever she gave it to him. Adam is being entrusted from the beginning to be a priest and a king, right? So as as these roles, again, we this is like mm-hmm. Bible studies on Bible studies to go through all these things, but Adam is entrusted to be a priest and a king. The short and the reason this matters is it means that he's supposed to know that he's supposed to guard the garden. Like he's been given this task to protect that which is sacred. And so if he saw, you know, the serpent, and we know that the serpent would have been intimidating to him. And we know this because the same word that's used for the serpent in Hebrew is the same word that's used um, to describe the Leviathan later on in Scripture and the same word that's used in Revelation to describe the dragon, right? So we, so we know that Adam has this experience where he's supposed to protect that which is good and trust God. Um, and he doesn't make an offering of himself because he's, a, he's either afraid or um, enticed by, by what the serpent offers. And so he fails in trust to make an offering of his life to protect his spouse and to, and to trust in God. And so this is like the origin of the fall, right? They, they both go into it. So we could go through a lot more, but kind of what this sets the context of is, is sin, right? It's this rejection of God's goodness. It's this lack of trust. And it's this lack of trust that where we don't make an offering of our life, right? Because Adam 
should have trusted either that God would give him the strength to persevere against the serpent or that God would have like raised him from the dead or whatever, right? Because he didn't know what death was, but somehow that he would have allowed him to, to persevere, but he didn't, right? He was intimidated or maybe he saw the appeal of the fruit, whatever. We don't know exactly, but somehow he allowed, he didn't make an offering and gift of his life. So now let's move to the Passover, right? So the Israelites coming from the line of Abraham, right? God makes these covenants with Abraham um, and in Israel, right? Being the, the son of Isaac, which is Abraham's son. Um, sorry, wait. Perfect, perfect. So essentially from Adam and Eve to the Israelites, it's been time and time again of, of, a, of a covenant is made, a relationship is made. God reveals himself in love and provides for his people. And then, like you said, like the devil comes in in some some form or some fashion of, of sin and temptation. There's a, there's a rejection of trust in God, and then there's some kind of enslavement and then liberation yes. again and again and yeah. again. Yep. And then so so fast forward to the Israelites. And so what does it look like right now in the Israelites? Okay, I was like, right now, I was like, well, uh, no. So for the Israelites, right? So they're at this point in the story of salvation where they're now in slavery in Egypt, right? Because they've, they've gone to this land. Again, a lot of story back in that. But they're in slavery in Egypt, and God is trying to rescue his people, not from the physical slavery, but the idolatry, the spiritual slavery that they have in Egypt. And so he sends these these 10 plagues, right? And each of the plagues are reminiscent of, or they specifically are speaking to an Egyptian God, right? So like he sends the locusts. Okay, well, locusts had some form of, uh, they were some form of deity to, to the Egyptians. Building up to the final plague, right? Which is, which is the Passover, which is this moment when the angel of death passes over the houses that have the blood of the lamb, which is significant because the lamb, killing a lamb was a capital offense, right? So like if you were in Egypt and you killed a lamb, like literally that's basically saying like, I'm ready to die from the government. So God gives the idolatrous, like he gives his people a choice. Like, will you worship an idol or will you worship me? And it's like a very clear, like black and white choice because if they kill the lamb, God instructs them basically to kill a lamb, to smear the blood on the doorpost of their house. Um, and that that would be like, the, the sign that like the angel of death would pass over their house and not take their firstborn son. Um, so anyway, the Israelites do this. They, they paint the blood of the lamb. They're making this choice to honor God. And this is like the first Passover. And part of the Passover is that they have to eat. They have to, to kill the lamb. They have to um, burn, like cook it basically and eat it. Um, like, and, and you wouldn't have completed the Passover and the original instruction unless you ate the lamb. Um, and so this is like kind of the context where the Passover becomes a Jewish, you know, tradition. It becomes a, a festival, a celebration um, that has to take place every year. And it takes place to commemorate God passing over. And it's supposed to be a sign of like choosing to trust God rather than, than idolatry, right? So Jesus enters into that and like creates the new Passover. There's a lot more that could be said too about like, I'd say jesus choosing bread and wine with the echoing like the priesthood of melchizedek but that's a whole nother topic in itself but it's so good so good so kind of looking back and, and seeing our grandparents and seeing a more clear image of who we are today all right so so trevor walked through adam and eve and then there's a a, a series of uh fathers in the faith and prophets and kings who god reveals himself to and then time and time again they reject or withdraw and, and turn to sin or some form of idolatry and and God liberates them again and again and again culminating in the Israelites in this Passover and so Jews um, are are perpetually celebrating this this feast of the Passover where they, they take like Trevor said the flesh of the lamb and and bread and wine and herbs and they always 
have the, the same meal every single year. And that meal is what happens at the Last Supper, right? And so we see Jesus, who is the fulfillment of, of a priest who knows what proper worship is, both in, in the greater sense, but also the, the Jewish aspect of what's prescribed at the time. He knows it thoroughly. And so he gets to the Passover meal with his disciples. And instead of there being a physical lamb like there has been for so long, he himself is the lamb. And so we, we begin to see a fulfillment of, of the Old Testament in that he doesn't, he doesn't abolish, right? He doesn't do away with it. He fulfills it. So he becomes the lamb. And so the, we see like the, the, the blood of the lamb is smeared across the doorpost, is, is smeared across the cross, right? And, and, and those who would... Um, and those who would claim that are are saved and are redeemed. But then there's also this, the particular meal, like the physical meal that, that we partake in, which is no longer the Jewish Passover, but becomes the, the Catholic Eucharist and Mass, where he says, this is my body and this is my blood, um, and take of this and eat, and, and a perpetual understanding of the sacrifice. And so now we are essentially transformed, like renewed, um, like like the the Jewish people who have been invited into this new this new um, covenant with God, where he he still has us eat the flesh of the lamb, and yet now it's the revelation of Jesus as as a lamb of God that we partake of his body to become like him. Yes. Um, yes. So it's just beautiful, man. And I think Father Dominic does a great job. And so, yeah, the Catholic Mass is not just like these old scriptures or old hymns that are read, and and it's it's a dead like you know tradition it's not full of any kind of life or any kind of freedom it's it's like the participation in like an ancient um an ancient tradition of god's people that speaks of the freedom of what god has done and continues to do and if if you spend any time in the old testament you will see like this fulfills like things like like the manna in the desert or jesus or jesus multiplying the loaves to feed his people like All of these things are fulfilled in in the Last Supper, in the institution of the Eucharist, and in the Mass that we celebrate, which is hard to see. But once you begin to see it, like the Mass takes on something completely different. Yeah, yeah, and and I think like <clears throat> again, what's what's different about this Passover, our Paschal Lamb, as opposed to the Passover, is like Jesus Himself, right, right, mm-hmm. like takes the place and like makes an offering of Himself. And this is why I talked about the beginning with Adam and Eve of like Adam feeling to make a sacrifice, because mm-hmm. Jesus, right, being our one High Priest in heaven, like makes a full gift of Himself and does die, like like perishes, takes on the weight of our of our sinfulness, takes on on the consequences of sin on Himself. But He makes an offering and trust to the Father, like leading now all of us, like that we are called the priesthood of believers, to make an offering of our life back to God. Um, right. This is like just this morning, the gospel for, for today, we're recording this on Tuesday of Holy week. So it's a little bit after the talk, but, um, but, uh, just this morning, right. The gospel where Je- uh, Peter says to Jesus, he goes like, you know, Lord, like I want to follow after you. And Jesus says like, you cannot go where I'm about to go. Um, but you will after he says that he's like, you will after. And I think like, again, Christ is calling us into the resurrection, but he's also calling us to take up our cross. And it's like, we, we follow in, in Jesus's path of like the passion into the resurrection, like making a gift and an offering out of love for him and for all of those in our life around us. And the Eucharist, right, is this, is this seed of, of God's like very own life that's implanted in us that gives us the grace to be like Christ, to be like, to make an offering, right? If this is the problem of sin, it's like, I don't trust God enough, to, you know, to bear um, the things in life, or I don't trust God enough you know, to, to stay true to, to what he's asked of me and the ways he's asked me to give a gift of myself and love to those around me that he gives to me. Mm-hmm. 
the Eucharist gives us Christ's own body, blood, soul, and divinity inside of us to, to begin this process of regeneration and to take us more and more into his likeness that does trust the Father and is willing to give a gift. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of, I'd say, like, yeah, just the beauty yeah. of it all, you know. Beautiful. And, there, and there's so much more to uh, the story of salvation, so much more to the fulfillment of the, the Mass and the Eucharist and in um, relation to the Passover and she's super rich and we could spend forever talking about um, all the small ways that the Lord uh, just arrange fulfillments and just like, yeah, it just, it's actually amazing. Um, but that's probably enough for today. And uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys um, to see, to begin to see the mass in the Eucharist as like Trevor said earlier, like the way that the Lord is, is inviting us um, to, to liberate us from any idolatry and, and which is so um, ironic because the rest of the world would see it as idolatry. Like the rest of the world would see what we do at mass and that we honor and worship the Eucharist as idolatry, as bread. And yet it's, it's a participation in what God has done to redeem us from idolatry, which is so crazy. So um, all of us hold something at the center of our lives and the mass and the Eucharist is an invitation to once again allow God to be the center. So hope you guys have, have a wonderful uh, rest of the day. And, and any final thoughts, Trevor? Yeah, if you want to learn more about this, if you're like, okay, Father Donovan is great, and Alex and Trevor were kind of subpar, but okay. Um, and you want to, like, there's a great book called The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn where he just breaks down all of this, like, mm. so well. He also has one called The Fourth Cup if you want to understand more of the Jewish roots. Um, there's Brant Petrie. It's called Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. There's all kinds of places. If you're like, yeah, I'm not really buying it, but like I want to claim my faith and like believe this if it's important, like go like read and like allow it to transform your minds so that your heart can be transformed as well. Um, yeah. So praise God. Crazy. Thankful for y'all. Crazy. Crazy. Have a great day. This is Alex Sanchez. Thank you for listening to the Sooner Catholic Podcast, where each week, with my co-host, Trevor Barreca, we recap the following. It's not following if it's before, is it? <laughs> so we recap the recent Holy Grounds talk given to students at the parish. Cuckoo! You love doing that.